the Summer Skate Studios, IcetimeHockeyWest.com presents the American Collegiate Hockey Top 20 Podcast, brought to you by Liberty University. Bring your faith and your game to the premier ACHA M1 program on the East Coast. See us at liberty.edu. Behind the Mask and BehindTheMask.com, your hockey superstore with three Valley locations and across the country at BehindTheMask.com. Central Oklahoma University, a top-ranked education and an elite college hockey experience. For more information, go to uco.edu or ucohockey.com. Jesse Ray's Barbecue at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard in Las Vegas or 308 North Boulder Highway in Henderson for lunch or catering your next office party. We are the best of barbecue Las Vegas style. UNLV Hockey. Follow the Skate and Rebels Championship Quest. For tickets and schedule information, go to rebelhockey.com. Top Golf. Play around. Food. Fun. Golf. Something for everyone at topgolf.com. Adrian College. Championship hockey culture and a nationally rated small private school education at adrianbulldogs.com. Caesars Entertainment Resort and Casinos with Caesars Rewards members can enjoy rates as low as $10 a room. University of Arizona Hockey, be a part of building not just a championship culture, but the future. Shower shoes at summerskates.com and show your game in comfort and style. San Diego State University Hockey. Sun, sand, and hockey, as well as a top flight education at sdsu.edu and sdsuhockey.com. Jets Pizza. Go to jetspizza.com to find the location near you and create your own unique pizza with all of our different crusts and fresh toppings. And Oklahoma University Hockey. The action you crave only faster at ouhockey.net. The American Collegiate Hockey Top 20 Podcast is a part of the IcetimeHockeyWest.com network. Here are your hosts, Scott Strandy and Stephen Marsh. All right. Well, welcome in, hockey fans. If you're listening to us live this morning, it is a very early podcast, and we love it. We love some change of pace, especially when there is hockey to cover. And I am in Palm Springs, Scott Strandy, with you in Palm Springs, California, as I prepare for the Calder Cup final starting tonight uh, at Acquisher Arena. My co-host as always, Stephen Marsh, joining me from that beautiful, vibrant city which uh, never sleeps. Neither does Stephen. So, Stephen, welcome in. How are you? Oh, time to wake up, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I, I, set, I sent to the alarm 90 minutes ago, so come on. <laughs> I'm awake, I'm awake, I'm here. I'm present accounted for. Well, of course, we know you're you're deep in, entwined into the uh, Stanley Cup final, and uh, I'm now I'm getting the taste of what it's like to do media coverage uh, for the Calder Cup final. But this is the American Collegiate Top Twenty podcast, the new name, the new faces. No, okay, the new name, um, the same old faces. But we're talking uh, ACHA hockey. We're talking non varsity. Uh, hockey on this podcast and we're after the best teams in the country so I'm not going to mess around I'm going to bring on our guest today because we haven't spoken to him in a little while and he's done a lot of things in the past couple of months so uh, we have the head coach from the uh, Central University Oklahoma University of Central Oklahoma Broncos Roll Chose Michael Ramirez with us Michael Scott and Stephen how are you this morning doing well gentlemen how are you guys doing can you uh, hear me all right we hear you loud and clear, Michael. Um, uh, <laughs> you probably haven't heard the new name yet. This is the American Collegiate Top 20 now because we've changed our focus slightly in the fact that we think that your programs, you're one of them, obviously, that's in the top 20, 25, and ACHA D1 deserve a little more coverage and a little more, uh, I don't know, um, love. How about that? I would tend to agree with you. I think that people want to know what's going on with the top teams in the ACHA. You guys have earned it. As I was mentioned at the top of the show, um, you've been all over the place. How was Romania, by the way? <laughs> Romania was awesome. It was a, it was an incredible uh, cultural experience uh, from both a 
you know, personal off the ice standpoint, as well as on the ice, uh, never played um, ice hockey or coached ice hockey overseas before. So that was um, something that was a dream of mine. So got to accomplish that. And it was, it was incredible. I mean, the group of guys we had, the coaching staff, uh, the support staff around us, it was the right mix and things were clicking on all cylinders for us. And um, ultimately I think that, you know, the culture of the group is what led to our success. Okay. I'm going to let Steven jump in here in just a minute, but, but you said something there. You said the, the culture of the group and the, was a right mix and, and the right group at the right time. And we've had Gary Estalis on a couple of times and he was thrilled to have both you and Frank on his staff. Um, he, he said that, that, that you guys kind of had your own roles and you, you did, you did what you needed to do to, to bring this whole team together. And uh, I asked him a lot about you because I thought um, your role, uh, I thought was really important with this team. And he said, Michael brought it. Uh, <laughs> so tell us what your role was and how you got all these superstars, if you will, at the ACHA level together to win gold. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that it was definitely, you know, all three coaches uh, play a major role in, in getting the job done. You know, I think Gary himself is just being a little bit humble. He was obviously the voice in the room that the guys followed, and he did an incredible job of getting the team to buy in. Um, but, you know, ultimately it is a collective effort. So my role specifically, um, you know, from day one when Gary and I started piecing this team together, one thing that uh, we talked about before we had added Frank to the staff was, you know, we wanted to make sure that, we found the right guys, not just the best guys. Um, and the right guys to us meant, you know, highly competitive, high character guys that were going to put the team first. Um, you know, even if they're playing in a role that is maybe different than what they're accustomed to playing at their home university. And when you're playing with the top, you know, 21 guys in the ACHA, at least American born players, um, that's going to happen, right? Like everybody's the best player on their team. And so, when you have a team full of superstars, you know, the biggest thing is, is humility and getting guys to realize that, you know, Hey, I'm not better than the guys to me on my left or my right. Um, I have a role on this team and whatever I can do to fill that role is, is what my job is. Um, so we spent, you know, a lot of time um, doing our due diligence. We didn't look at just their stats. We didn't just look at their elite prospects. We picked the phone, called their college coaches if we knew junior coaches that knew the kid, we called them as well just to get to know the kid and see what people who we trust have to say about him um, as a person and not just a player. And um, also finding out how these coaches utilize them on their own teams and not just making assumptions um, that this is where we're going to put them, but how are they used normally and comfortably so that we can put them in the best position to succeed. And so spending all that time doing that, it took, it took a lot of effort. And I think, um, you know, then when we were getting into preparing the team, we spent quite a bit of time on team culture, um, talking about what our common goal is, getting a collective vision and outlining what the expectations are from a culture standpoint, as far as these are the rules that we're going to live by. Um, here's the lines in the sand. If you cross it, you know, you're, you're going against the culture and not in the same direction of the team. And I think, through that process, maybe we took a little bit of criticism in terms of people thinking we were taking it maybe, I don't know, too serious or, or not letting the guys just enjoy the experience enough. But um, hindsight, you know, I think the guys enjoy it pretty well because having that gold medal around your neck is really what, what they were there to do. And um, when you do it as a team, it means a, a heck of a lot more. So uh, I guess to answer your question more, what you initially asked was, you know, I, I think I played a major role in helping develop the culture and proposing ideas and helping Gary find the right guys as well as Frank. Well, that is exactly what he told me. So I, I'm glad to hear that was uh, in total agreement. I thought you guys uh, did a fantastic job. I know Steven was up um, combing over the film, uh, <laughs> the whole trip oh, yeah. that you guys were over there. It was so much of a, of a time change, but so much fun. And I thought the ACHA as a whole did a great job too. Am I correct, Steven? Yeah, no, I thought it was great. Uh, you know, I, I guess what was that kind of, uh, what was it, what did it mean just to be in part of that, uh, you know, whatever level it's at, just representing team USA, being a part of that kind of, uh, environment and, 
and be, being with these players and having a few of your own players uh, be a part of it with, with you there in, uh, in Romania? It was a privilege, uh, to say the least. You know, any time that a hockey player gets to represent their respective country, I mean, it's a huge honor and privilege. Um, you know, it's got to be less than 1% of hockey players that ever get to do it. Uh, so you feel very lucky and very privileged. And, um, you know, for me, I wanted to respect that and honor that by going through the process and doing everything, at least to me, what I determined to be the right way and, and giving it everything that, that I had personally um, and trying to get the best out of all the guys so that we could respect that jersey because it did mean a lot um, to be, you know, part of a group that, is essentially, you know, the top 1% of the ACHA um, at our respective level. Like, you know, that's, it's an incredible um, accomplishment for both coaches and players. And so it was, it was a privilege and, you know, it was even, it was a, you're making a big sacrifice by going over there. And so I think you owe it to yourself and, you know, you owe it to your guys to, to do things the right way. Michael, uh, Stephen and I, when we talked with Gary, uh, asked him some questions too about the trip itself. But obviously, your first trip uh, over there, um, were there things that surprised you? Things that you said, "Wow, I didn't know this was going to be like this," or, or things that maybe said, "Wow, I really didn't know it was going to be like this." Definitely. I mean, there's there was a an aspect of a culture shock. Um, I didn't know what to expect too much from Romanian culture, to be completely honest. You know, you do your Google research, you look at some things, but you don't really know until you know, um, until you're there and, and in the weeds, so to speak. And so, you know, just one of the biggest things was to travel, you know, getting from the capital city of Bucharest uh, all the way to uh, the village that we were in of Carta. It was, you know, quite the bus ride. It was like a Mario Kart course, essentially, with all the sips and turns. <laughs> It was, I mean, the bus driver was flying. No there banana peels times. though, right? <laughs> it, it felt like it, you know, there's a couple of times I swear we were on two wheels. Um, this guy's driving, I, I kid you not, he's driving a standard charter bus. Um, it was stick, which just blew my mind. I hadn't seen that <laughs> before. Um, so just, you know, you get there and you, you start to realize quickly, you know, just from, a, you know, economically and, um, you know, demographically, you're just in a different place. And first off, you realize how how lucky we are and how good we have in the United States. And not everybody around the world is as privileged as we are. And we really take it for granted. And so, um, you know, getting out there and getting that experience was was definitely humbling to to have more appreciation for what we have at home. And then, you know, you get into these villages and just things are different, right? Like, like refrigeration is expensive. So, you know, electricity essentially and so you know drinks aren't as cold i don't think i saw an ice cube the entire time i was over there and i'm a big ice in my drink guy um so that was weird you know hotels aren't really like hotels they're more like um like apartment complexes that an individual owner owns and they live in there and they have a restaurant so that dynamic was different people don't really lock doors which was really weird to me um every door was open including the door to our room which kind of blew my mind um you know, we had Wi-Fi, which is really all you need, but there is, you know, the, the showers are different. The food's different. Breakfast was a lot different than what I expected. It was like eating a Lunchable every morning. Um, but overall, I mean, the food was pretty good. And you just, the biggest thing we told the guys going into it is like, just be ready to adapt and things are going to be different. And that's all part of the experience. And so um, each thing that happens, like, oh, this isn't the breakfast that you had in mind. All right, well adapt, eat it, move on. Everybody's eating the same thing. Like we're all going through it together and just, you know, it's part of the experience. So it was, there was definitely some culture shock, but also the people there were great. Like they were so welcoming and, um, you know, willing to help us out with anything and everything we needed. Um, and so that made, that made the experience that much better. And we did find quite the, quite the little coffee shop, um, down, you know, across the street from our hotel. And, and, uh, and that was, that was the, the spot that we did some film every morning. So we found that local spot and that was great. No Starbucks though, but you found the local coffee shop. So that was good. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. It was trying to order a coffee the first day with Google translate was a treat. 
Okay, so you get these guys on the ice, uh, Michael, and, and you know you got talent, right? And uh, you know you've got leaders, and uh, you're piecing it all together, as you mentioned. But um, were you pleasantly surprised at how quickly the guys came together? I know Gary told the stories about uh, the guys came together so quickly uh, off the ice, but on the ice they seemed to do the same thing, didn't they? They did. I mean, I think it's all it's all related. Um I'm a big proponent of, you know, a team that uh, hangs out together off the ice is going to play well together on the ice. And I think that's where it started was, you know, one of the things we told the guys was, you know, put down your, I'm too cool for school. Like we don't have time for that. We don't have time to break that down. Just open and be vulnerable. And the guys took that to heart and they really honored it. And that's what they did. They made themselves vulnerable. I don't know you. You don't know me. And we're in the same situation. So let's get to know each other. Um, They did that off the ice really well. And I think that by bringing them together and giving them a collective vision, they knew what the expectation was when we hopped on the ice. And we sent the message that you don't want to be the guy left behind. And so everybody from the first time I stepped on the ice was, you know, hit the ground running. Um, The pace of our practice was unbelievable. Um, that was one of the, my favorite things to see. Like, honestly, one of my favorite things from the whole trip was the way we practiced, uh, just happening around early guys, you know, putting it on the tape at full speed. It was, it was a sight to see. Um, and I knew right away that we were going to be able to play at that pace because they could practice at that pace. And so, um, you know, they made that, they made that adjustment quick. And then the systems, we were working on systems with them, you know, two weeks before we left. So they had a good idea of what we were trying to do. And then it was just making those minor adjustments. And you have to remember these kids, I mean, one of the biggest reasons why they're on the team is they have high hockey IQ. So it's a little bit easier than your uh, traditional home team. Okay. So let me, let me follow up with this one. You've seen some really good talent in the teams that you play. And I know you guys bounced around this year a little bit to try to play the very best that you could and um, did whatever you had to do to prepare yourself to win a national championship. You came close, not quite. But um, when you look back at that, Michael, how good has uh, has the ACHA really become, especially in the last, you know, I look at it from the last seven years, but you've seen it and as a player and stuff before. How good has it really become? Is it is it my eyes, my figment of imagination, or have they really gotten that much better? I believe the ACHA has improved um, tremendously in terms of more so than anything in terms of parity. I think for, for periods of years there, the top end talent um, comparable to what you see today, but there was always the one, two, three teams that you knew it was going to go through no matter what. And now what you see at the tournament is that it's anybody's game. I mean, if you look at the national champions this year, Minot, Indiana Tech had them on the ropes. Liberty had them on the ropes you know, they, they didn't just walk through the tournament and that's something that would happen in the past. And so I don't think your eyes are lying to you. I think that there's a ton more parity in the league or maybe there was a significant drop off at the number 10 level before now, like you're not seeing that until, you know, maybe, you know, 20 really. And even then some of those 20 to 25 teams are are good hockey teams. And so it's, it speaks to the quality of players in total in the league. So while there used to be just to throw a number out there, say a hundred, you know, higher end ACHA players. Now maybe there's 200. And so you start seeing these guys in the league. And I think guys in junior hockey are starting to realize this is a viable option for me to play college hockey for whatever reason it is. It's on an individual basis, cost, college experience, location, um, size of university. It, It can be anything. And players in the junior level are really starting to realize that. And once a couple guys do it, then the next wave of guys will do it. And they see it as this isn't me hanging up the skates and playing club college hockey. This is a, this is a way for me to play college hockey and get a great experience and hopefully win a national championship and, and have something to hang my hat on. All right. So speaking of that, we look ahead a little bit. Uh, the national tournament is going to return to the St. Louis uh, and Centene community ice center next year where you guys did very well there the uh, prior uh, year before Austin year. So how excited is it that the tournament's going to return there? And, and uh, what do you guys got to do to 
have as good of a season as you did that year, maybe even, of course, win that national championship game. Yeah, I love it. I love it in St. Louis. Um, you know, if it was up to me, it'd be there every single year. It's in the middle of the country. It's the most centralized location for the entire ACHA. Um, everybody can pre-budget for it. Obviously, you're going to have, you know, a local home team in Maryville getting an advantage um, from a cost and a fan perspective every single year. But no matter where you put it, someone's going to have an advantage. So might as well keep it in the middle of the country. Um, I think that's the direction the ACHA should go. You look at the College World Series, right? It's in Omaha every year. You look at the College Softball World Series, it's in Oklahoma City every year. So why can't the ACHA just be in St. Louis every single year? Um, it would make a lot of sense. And so we are excited about getting back there. Um, you know, honestly, for us to do well in St. Louis, it's what's going on right now and what's going to happen, you know, between the time that everybody sees us on the ice at practices throughout the year. We're going to be bringing in quite a few guys this year. Um, we've had some turnover. We've had some guys graduate. Um, there's going to be a new wave of UCO Broncos coming in um, that I think are going to spark up the locker room um, and create, you know, new competition in terms of roles in the lineup, which will be really exciting. And we have to do a better job of being a disciplined hockey team this year in terms of not just the details within our systems, but penalties and things like that as well to optimize our opportunities to win hockey games. And we have to find consistency and it's the hardest thing to do in hockey, but that's what happens um, with your practices and the way you approach it. And so we are going to put a strong emphasis on that and try to develop this group into a national championship contender. And we expect nothing less. I've seen your facility. I've seen what you guys do. I watch your team play. Um, you know, it was a unique situation for you guys last year when you graciously adopted um, your rivals from uh, the University of Oklahoma to give them a place to play and to keep their program going. Um, talk a little bit about last year and, and how it went. Is, uh, did it go pretty smoothly? Because it seemed to from the outside looking in. For the most part, it went it went really smoothly. Um, you know, their general manager Brad Bassett's been easy to work with. Um, we've come to an agreement that it's in the best interest of both programs for both to be sustainable, and, and that requires us working together. And there's going to be concessions made on both sides. It's never going to be perfect, um, but as long as when we get upset at each other or we're not liking the way something's going, we can sit down and have a man to man conversation. Um, you know, it's amazing what can happen if you just have a conversation and, and can be a little bit reasonable and put your ego aside for a second. And so we've been able to do that. Um, obviously, it, as a competitor, as them being our rival, there's always moments of, you know, hey, this is our rank, like, what, you know, this competition that's always going to exist. But in the grand scheme of things, it's about making it work for both programs and even our own players and their players understand the importance of being able to coexist and, and the success that it's going to bring both programs. So as of right now, things are going great. I'm actually at the rink right now. Just had a meeting with the facility manager to uh, talk about some details for next year. And, you know, all things are, are rolling uh, the way we expect it. Wow. That's, that's great insight. I think, some people in uh, Washington, D.C. could learn a lesson or two from, from that about working together and coexisting and, you know, trying to make uh, giving concessions to both sides. Anyway, so you mentioned that you're, you're kind of preparing already for next season with with um, what are you guys working on as far as, uh, you know, game the teams that you'll be playing, the kind of the, the, the opponents that you might face uh, this upcoming season uh, as you look to, uh, you know, have a really good season next year? So really focusing on, you know, I'm a big believer in it's about 95% you and about 5% the other team if you do your job. Um, so focusing on the way we want to play, our identity, and recruiting players and signing players that fit that identity where the learning curve and the adaption to our program won't be as significant so they step in and we're not asking them to change the way they play, um, but rather just adapt slightly to some of the way we do things. Um, so really focusing on making sure that we have players that fall to that identity, making sure that um, we go into the season with a game plan of how we want to develop the team. 
I think one of the mistakes that we made last year is we tried to change some things early on with that we thought the guys were ready for and we didn't play to our identity the way that we should have um, within those systems. And so kind of, you know, like being able, you know, Monday morning quarterback, being able to look back at it and say, all right, we would have done that differently. And so talking about it with the other coaches and approaching it, this is how we're going to implement, you know, our D zone, our four check, our neutral zone, when we're going to do it, are we going to have multiple options of each? Breakouts, things like that. Um, and also looking a lot at you know, how were people scoring against us last year? Were they off the rush? Were they, you know, off of D zone coverage? And you know, did we produce a lot of turnovers that created offense for us? And figuring out where we are successful and building off that and where we're deficient and trying to clean up those areas. Okay, so the obvious follow-up to that is, what kind of schedule are you putting together? Can you sneak anything to us yet as far as where you're going to be and how you're going to do it and how this will all piece together? Absolutely. Yeah, I have no problem. Kind of, We're not too far off from releasing our schedule. I'm working out a couple kinks, um, trying to figure out if we can play a couple more games. Uh, so as of right now, you have your traditional Western Collegiate schedule, uh, which is always going to be a juggernaut, no easy weekend. Um, this year, our cross-conference uh, games are going to be in Vegas at UNLV, which will be awesome. Can't wait for those. Um, and our out-of-conference, you know, we do the best job we can to stay within budget and play a top 25 schedule at minimum. Um, so you can expect a home-and-home home with us in Maryville in perpetuity as long as John Hogan is the head coach there and I'm the head coach here. Um, you can expect to see us at what might be a showcase happening uh, next season with some top teams in the ACHA, call it top 10 teams all battling each other um, over a weekend at a neutral site. You can expect to see us hosting some of our typical uh, out-of-conference teams that you've seen over the past couple years, like, uh, you know, in Alabama. And we might be um, we might be hosting a team that just made the the jump up from uh, the division two level. That might be a pretty good hockey team. Uh, and they're going to make a case for themselves in the top 10, if not top 15 this season in the ACHA. So uh, we might have a game against the defending national champs. You never know. So we'll, uh, <laughs> Love it. we'll, we do our best to play the hardest schedule we can. I'm a big believer. Like I'd rather have, I'd rather have eight losses on the schedule to top teams then have one loss and not have played any of them throughout the year. And and, and he and he's true on that because I remember last season at the beginning of the season when when they were playing their series with Colorado State and UNLV was host was playing Denver. The next day they of course when they realized this was happening, they the, the two teams got together and decided they wanted to to play each other while they were both in Colorado. That happened. Happened in an old airport hangar that you could barely see the uh, the ice because of the glass was so banged up. But it still worked out, and it uh, didn't work out for UCO, but it worked out for for UNLV. But it was still cool that that was able to come together like that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think coaches in this league, especially the top teams, are competitors themselves. And so, you know, essentially, Greener texted me and said hey i'll bring my guys in a ball if you guys want to play and it's yeah let's do it why not you know and you know if you have a team that you feel can show up at any moment which i know he does and i know i do it's like all right you know i, I told my guys all the time we'll never back down from a fight so if somebody wants it let's let's go and you know at the end of the day all you gotta do is show up but, but how unique was that experience because it was it was quite a different uh i mean it, the acha is so wide ranging in, in regards to environments but you talk about you know, you guys have a good home crowd. You want to be as a good home crowd, and then you go to this this neutral site thing, and it's barely anybody there other than a few parents and other you know people that were were following with UNLV and you guys for the weekend. It's, it's it was quite a quite interesting uh, quite interesting ap- atmosphere or lack thereof, I guess. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's so that's hard. Like you know, you're playing on a Sunday. The rink is freezing. It's a terrible rink. Um, Ice isn't great. Glass isn't great. Uh, we can't even get a live stream going because the Wi-Fi is so bad. And they, the kids yes, working there couldn't. it was very bad. It was bad. I was hard to start tweeting out stuff. It was very bad. It was horrible. And the kids couldn't even, you know, figure out a way for us to uh, 
to hardwire into their to their uh internet line so it was you know it was a battle but um if you you know the game itself though right it speaks to the rivalry between us and UNLV and 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 the competition at a top five top ten level that inside those the boards inside the glass that game you would have thought there was 15,000 people in the stands you wouldn't have known a difference with the way the teams approached it um, and I think that speaks to the competitiveness of both programs and where the ACHA is at because how easy is it to say this is club hockey we're playing Sunday whatever it was noon in this freezing cold rink both of us coming off of previous games we played two we had guys banged up and our guys still brought it their guys definitely brought it it just speaks to where the league's at in my opinion yeah, it still was a pretty decent game when you put all those factors into play. It was, it was still a, a very competitive game between the two of you. So yeah, that just says a lot about, about what he, when you, no matter again, like what you said, what Coach Greener said, bringing it, we'll bring him in a ball or whatever and play, play wherever. It's uh, it's 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 a it's a testament to, to the level of uh, rivalry that you those two teams have established. So you mentioned that you'll be coming to Vegas. I'm sure that's going to be exciting that you get to come and experience that environment uh, of that Vegas puts on here with UNLV and City National and, and the crowds that they get. And, and now that you guys have really have established this 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 heated rival between the two two teams. Absolutely, we're looking forward to it. Um, you know, we've been the top two conference the past two years. We played in some um, very big matchups. You know, Final Four of the national tournament. We've uh, they've come here for a home series, and then of course, you know the Sunday matinee game that we played last year and all of them have been uh, close hockey games tight. And so we're looking forward to going into a very hostile environment, a very difficult environment to play in and putting our guys through that challenge and seeing what they're made of, because that's, there's no better test than your rival in their home rink. Michael, I want to ask you this because there's been a lot of cross pollination between the ACHA and NCAA is that something you guys would uh, be interested in doing too, if it, if it works? I know your location makes it a little bit more difficult, but we saw UNLV play Denver. We saw Lindenwood play Denver. Now we're seeing Minot State come to Colorado and play CC in Denver this uh, Christmas time. Um, uh, Arizona is going to play Arizona State. Do you like that idea, and do you think there's uh, benefits to it, and is it a possibility for you guys, or is location just um, too much to make it happen? I I like it. I do. Um, I think it's good for the league. I think it's good exposure, especially if there is a program that can, um, you know, compete with these top teams. Denver's a it's a very tall task um, to take on. You know, uh, Liberty beat LID. Um, you know, Lindenwood uh, didn't do so well when they had ask. Um, for us, you know, it's something that I would be interested in. It's something that I would entertain with the right group here. Uh, the biggest thing for us, like you mentioned, is just location. Because you have to weigh the, the, you know, basically the cost-benefit analysis there and say, what am I getting out of this? We go there. We play. Chances are we're going to get beat up on. We're not looking to get a feasibility study next year. Uh, we're not telling people we're going NCAA Division One. That's not that's on our course of action right now. We operate and we, we act like we are so that we're always prepared and ready because I think you're doing a disservice to your program if you don't, but to spend that kind of money for a lower budget school and not get a return from it and potentially get, you know, waxed. I mean, there's no other way to put it. I don't know if there's a huge benefit for UCO specifically, but, it's easy to say sitting on the outside looking in when the opportunity hasn't presented himself because as a competitor, I think you're always looking your chops when you have an opportunity like that. So um, I'd have to be put in that situation to know exactly what I would do, but from a logical perspective and a financial perspective, it does not make a ton of sense. Yeah. Really good answer to that. I figured that's what I was going to get from you. Um, I, I wanted to ask it anyway, though, because it's been such a crazy environment out there. And, you know, I talked to the uh, NCAA people, and they love it. Uh, David Carl, for one. I know Chris Mayotte, for the other, um, really love the fact that they can cross-pollinate and help grow the game of hockey. And, you know, I want to just quickly touch on uh, what you guys do and give you a little opportunity to sales pitch UCO hockey because when I walk around your building, I, I see a college environment. I room. 
I see the players and the way they dress and the way they carry themselves. So go ahead and make a sales pitch. Otherwise, I'll have to do it for you. <laughs> I won't hate that. Um, so sales pitch UCO hockey. I mean, if, if I'm going to sell anything on our program, it's going to be the culture. And the culture is something that when you walk in a room and, and you walk around an arena, you can feel it. Um, there's, it's difficult to describe. It's difficult to define. But you just understand that there's a culture here of winning. There's a culture here of high character individuals, like you said, that carry themselves well. Um, guys take a lot of pride in wearing these jerseys, and we we take a lot of pride in getting kids that are high character and work for everything that they've had. Um, we're a blue collar team. We're a lunch pail team. We're always going to be that. You can come here and have an opportunity to win a national championship every single year that you're on this team. You can come here and you're going to win a lot more games than you lose. You can come here and you can play in front of a rowdy college crowd, get a great college education and Oklahoma city is a great place to live. And if you haven't been and you have these, you know, interpretations about what Oklahoma city is like, I highly encourage you to get down here because it's going to be a lot different than what you'd expect. There's a reason that we have such a strong alumni group and we have, at least 10 Canadian alumni here that have chosen to make this their permanent home. Oklahoma City's great. It's a great community. It's a great college hockey program and something to be really proud of. All right. You don't need me, but we appreciate your partnership. <laughs> Good stuff, Michael, as always. Uh, we really appreciate taking some time out of your busy day to, to visit with us. And I'm going to let you uh, let you leave us on, on one note. But um, Gary told us that uh, off the ice, it was a little bit because you guys uh, had to make phone calls back to talk to uh, wives and, and young children. So tell us how that went. I understand some people got the hallway, some got the living room, but but you guys made it work, didn't you? <laughs> we did. We did. You know, I'm, uh, I'm still a rookie dad. Gary's a seasoned veteran, and Frank is in the Hall of Fame already, um, <laughs> you know, with all his accomplishments as a father. And so for me, I'm you know, it was – it was such a breath of fresh air and so encouraging. Um, you know, and for, you know, my, my assistant coaches currently, they're younger guys and they don't have, you know, children at home. And um, I really think that it takes, it takes a dad who coaches hockey at our level to really understand what we go through. And the three of us can understand that and have this respect for each other at a different level because of that. Um, and seeing them as fathers, I mean, it just showed me that, you can be extremely successful in this league and be a really good dad at the same time. Um, just how much passion and, and they show for their families. And I mean, yeah, it was FaceTimes every night. The time change is crazy. So you're staying up late to do it. I would always take the stairs. Gary stayed in the room and Frank was in a different room. And so he would FaceTime there or in the hallway. And, you know, we always made it work. We got to know our families um, through each other. And it was, you know, it's different. Like when you're, we're all making the same sacrifices and there's moments along that trip where, you know, within that 10 days, something happens at home and you get frustrated. Um, and it was a place to vent. I mean, it was almost like a dad therapy session in, in a sense, because we all knew what we were going through and, you know, having that, it just, for me, it just, um, I think it's one of the many reasons that we clicked the way we did as a coaching staff, because we all are come from similar places, similar beliefs, um, may help, you know, different ways to, to slice it. But at the end of the day, like we're, we're family guys first and then coaches second. And, and that made all the difference. Yeah. Very well put as always. Um, I, I will tell you, I was extremely proud as a dad of ACHA hockey, if I can call myself that, because when I saw the pictures of you three that were put out by the ACHA, I was like, Man, this is what I dreamed of when I started this company. This is what I thought I was going to get into. It took a little while, but but now as I'm seeing this, it, it's so enjoyable. And you know me, I love telling the stories. So thanks uh, thanks for spending some time with us. Thanks for being a partner with us because that really means a lot to us. We continue to grow this. So best of luck in the re finish of recruiting, and we'll touch base again as we get a little closer to season, okay? Sounds great, Scott. As always, I appreciate your guys' support, Stephen. Uh, you as well, you know, just everything you guys do for the league and, and just the way that you make us relevant, um, even in the off season. Um, I know it means a lot, not just to myself, but other coaches around the league and we all talk about it. So thank you to you both. Absolutely. That's uh, Michael Revere, the head coach 
from the UCO Broncos Roll Chose, as I like to say. We'll be right back in just a couple of minutes to wrap up another episode of the American Collegiate Hockey Top 20 Podcast. When you put on that Central Oklahoma Broncos jersey, you represent a championship culture on the ice and in the classroom. Two-time ACHA M1 National Champions, four-time WCHL champion, and named a Best in the West College by U.S. News and World Report, UCO hits all of the benchmarks for an elite college hockey experience. Our Edmond, Oklahoma campus, which is just minutes from downtown Oklahoma City, has over 100 areas of study and over 200 student organizations to help you find your fit. Whether it's our stunning 210-acre campus or our NCAA-level hockey environment, go to uco.edu or ucohockey.com and see if Oklahoma's Metropolitan University is for you. Passion, talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 93% rate. Trevor Zegras. And they score on the lacrosse move. Jake Gensel. Banks it towards the goalie score. Gail McCarr. Campus before the NHL stage. Whether you're a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. So you're a few weeks into the season, and that brand new equipment bag is starting to get kind of funky. Those sweaty gloves and pads, yuck. Well, there's only so much you can do about it. But when that new pair of summer skates starts to pick up that scent, that's easy. Our customizable shower shoes go right into the washing machine, then air dry overnight, and they're ready for their next shift at the rink. Customizable for your team or with your favorite player's name and number, summer skates, the ultimate hockey player's footwear, are perfect for players in the desert or even for just wearing around the house. Head to IcetimeHockeyWest.com and click Summer Skates link to get your personalized koozies and shower shoes today. Championship pedigree, world-class coaching, and first-class facilities are all a part of the ACHA experience at Adrian College. Bulldogs look to raise their third national championship banner in the last five years at Arrington Ice Arena, one of the best facilities in all college hockey. Get a big school hockey feel with all of the educational advantages of a private education. For more information, go to adrianbulldogs.com or adrian.edu. Oklahoma Sooners Hockey, celebrating 20 years of big hits, 20 years of big saves, and 20 years of big goals. Go to OUHockey.net and get your season or single-game tickets to see the Sooners take on national powers, Minot State, Missouri State, and, of course, rival Central Oklahoma. Single-game tickets are just $10 apiece, while OU students and staff are free with their ID. Youth hockey players are also free if they wear their jerseys. 20 years of Oklahoma Sooners hockey, the action you crave, only faster. Play at the premier ACHA D1 men's program on the East Coast and prepare yourself for life and career at Liberty University, Lynchburg, Virginia. Sellout crowds, top competition, and championship aspirations await you on our picturesque campus with state-of-the-art facilities, gifted faculty, and over 700 programs of study to help you make an impact on and off the ice as your community training as a champion for Christ. Your faith in yourself and your beliefs are equally as strong. See if Liberty Hockey and Liberty University is right for you. Visit us at liberty.edu. UNLV Rebel Hockey, located in fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada, is proud to partner with Ice Time Hockey Southwest. As a premier ACHA Division I university, UNLV offers a unique chance to play college hockey. Experience a pro setting in Hockey Mad Las Vegas while you earn your degree in any of our over 300 majors, 
in one of the world's destination cities. If this sounds right for you, then visit us at rebelhockey.com to get your future started today. Hello, fans. My name is Hunter Mazzillo, and I'm number 26 for the UNLV Skating Rebels, and you're listening. chapter in the city's long hockey history. In addition to our growing hockey program, the more than 36,000 SDSU students in our many degree programs from bachelor, go to sdsu.edu to see if our unique, diverse experiences for you and visit sdsuhockey.com to support the top college hockey program in California. Welcome back to another segment of ITHSW Podcast's American Collegiate Hockey Top 20. All right, indeed, it is the American Collegiate Hockey. Morning. If you joined us early this morning, thank you. If you didn't, get the download and tell your friends because what a conversation we just had with from the University of Central Oklahoma. Michael Rivera. Wow, we always get good stuff from our coaches. This uh, one is another sensational one. Stephen Marsh with me from Las Vegas, trying to get prepared for uh, game three and four and whatever else lies in the cup final. Thanks for getting up early this morning and dealing with all of this, but. Well, again, I think you might hear you or something. (laughs) I'm here. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's great conversation with him. I think uh, to hear his perspective of the, uh, you know, being in Romania there with with the USA squad is is great. I love what he said about we asked him about the, you know, taking separate rooms and the dad saying he's still a rookie at it. Uh, uh, Gary is a a seasoned vet added and Frank should and should be in the Hall of Famer. So it just kind of shows the different levels. Yeah, that was a great line, wasn't it? I loved it. That was a great line. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's just great. And then to talk about the upcoming season that they have and what they want to, what they want to accomplish. And, you know, this is a, this is a good team. And, and yes, they didn't maybe compared to where they were a season ago, they made they made the the, the championship game. Uh, may seem that as a step down, but uh, and maybe that maybe that was the case. But they still did win the WCHL uh, title, so they've won that now two years in a row, which which says a lot because we've talked about how tough uh, this league is. Um, I think we said what well, we kept saying like seven, six or seven teams at some point uh, were in the top twenty five or in the top twenty. So it's. Uh, or in the top twenty-five at least, so it's it just shows you that's how you know out of ten teams in the league in the uh, in the WCHL, how many teams are in that top echelon of the uh, of the ACHA. So, of course, that means the schedules are going to be tough when you play twenty games within the WCHL, home and away in your in your division, and one away and one home and out of the division. So, uh, it always makes for for tough games and and. For UCO to beat the WCHL champs two years in a row is, is saying something, but uh, but they obviously want to improve and and uh, and and they some turnover as as every team goes through every year when players graduate even players come in. So um, I expect another big year for them. Yeah, and you know I I, I really like Michael because he always peels back the onion a little bit for us and, and gives us a, a different perspective, but. When I asked him about ACHA versus NCAA, uh, three really good points. The first one is, he said, what am I going to get out of it if my team goes there and gets waxed? <laughs> and that, that's just a really good perspective. Secondly is, Central Oklahoma is uh, not necessarily close to an NCAA program. I guess Lindenwood now would be their closest. So uh, as far as making the, the budgetary needs to, to make that trip, I get that. 
Um, the, uh, the other thing is, you know, it's like they do the very best that they can to prepare to win an ACHA M1 national championship every year. And they, um, they, they make sure that that's the top priority. While they're doing that, though, they also try to make sure that their, uh, their team benefits and has a good time. So whether they may not travel to Alaska or they may not do the things that other teams are, are able to, they put together a really good program in, um, in a limited budget. Let's just be honest. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's okay. Like if you're, if you're, if you're not everybody aspirations is the NCAA for them, it's, that's not their focus. Their focus is trying to win and achieve at the ACHA level. And, and you're right. He said, and, and if, if they want to play a, a NCAA opponent and they get, you know, they get beat badly, eight nothing, nine nothing. It ends up being ten nothing, like UNLV did last year. Although I still think they probably did gain from it because they do are in that process of trying to get to the NCAA level. But UCL, it, I think for them, that's they're not gonna, it's not gonna gain anything other than you got shellacked eight nothing, nine nothing to an NCAA program, which you probably were expected to do. So I mean, it's you're not learning anything from that. So, um, you know, right now their focus is what can they do at the ACHA level division one to hoist that murdoch cup in in march when or in uh yeah in march in in st louis which is this next next year so it's that's what their focus is on and they're everything that they try to do and work around and 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 work towards that's their goal so the you know so it's it's i think it's okay that we, we kind of get lost at oh you know it's it's cool to see these acha nca crossovers and and it's great and it's great for you know, for the ACHA to have that and to, for ACE, you know, and there's, and there's a place for that, I think. But I think it's okay to realize that not every team feels that that's best for their team. And I think I think we kind of got that from, from Michael Rivera. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the other thing I thought he said was really important was the fact that they, um, you know, they, they don't shy away from their experience and the fact that they still dress uh, like they're a collegiate NCAA team, they travel as much as they can, like an NCAA team. Uh, they're they're ready. If the school were to come up to them and say, "Hey, uh, we want to make this an NCAA program," that they're ready. They, it's not like they have to go. Well, we need a few years to to maybe compete or do whatever. You know, uh, I tell you all the time that Greg Powers uh, kind of looked upon as the the trailblazer uh, along with uh, Penn State uh, in getting to the next level. Uh, and he put the roadmap together for him. It's school, it's funding, and more importantly than probably anything, it's winning at the level that you're at. And not just a high winning percentage, uh, winning national championships, ho- hoisting the Murdoch Cup, as you mentioned, like like he, uh, Lindenwood did before they made the jump. And, and UCO has done that a few times over yes, the, yes. in their history. So it's not like they've, they haven't done it before. No, but I, but the point being is Michael knows where they're at as a program, and uh, because he understands and knows where they're at, he's got the very best that he can out of his team and, and the experience of playing hockey for the Broncos and Rolchos. Uh, <laughs> I have to keep throwing that out there. I think I get I think I get it when I say that on the show. <laughs> do you get a little? Do you get a little? Uh, do you get a little? I am I'm saying? kidding, but I love the way they do that. It's uh, they end every conversation with you by saying Rolchos. <laughs> Rolchos yeah. I didn't give Michael really a chance to say that today, but I know he will uh, the next time that I visit with him. You but won't hear me say it too many times. I tell you. <laughs> I just said it you get run out of town. I see. I don't have a town. I, <laughs> I have multiple towns. I'm everywhere. Towns. You're everywhere. Uh, great conversation. I still, have, I still have to go to the UNLV uh, every once in a while. So, yeah. <laughs> you have to, to. You have to know that we are we are fans of all teams that we cover. Um, uh, I had a conversation with somebody the other day. They were asking me about my beard, and I said, "Hey, listen. Since I was 18 years old, I either grew a beard for the team that I played on." team that I rooted for, team that I now cover, or a team that I was just a plus fan of uh, during the playoffs because it's involvement, right? And uh, in a few minutes, I'm going to be traveling down to Akersher to watch uh, the two practices today between the two teams competing for the Calder Cup. We'll have um, the Firebirds from Coachella Valley and the Hershey Bears from obviously Hershey, Pennsylvania um, today, and hopefully get a chance to visit with the coaches and a couple of the players and put that together. But um, 
that's part of the experience for me, right? Uh, I buy in. I, I Obviously, I'm not going to put the skates on a skate for either one of those teams, but it's kind of fun, and, and that's what I've been doing. The hair is long. The beard is long, but that's what you do, and I, I think uh, the teams appreciate it. Uh, they, they go like, hey, you're, you're really buying into this, aren't you? I'm going like, oh, yeah, well, you know, uh, Shane Wright is probably 40 years younger than me, and uh, he's blowing me away in the beard competition, by the way. Why do I seem surprised by that? By the way, you're not going to see me with a beard anytime soon. <laughs> anyway, gotta keep, that's gotta just keep, me. Someone's got to keep the serious uh, <laughs> reporter look here on this. Uh... <laughs> well, you know me. If I can't have a conversation where I get somebody to laugh know, or uh, smile a couple of times, yeah. I'm not doing my job in oh, way, yeah. where I see myself. So and if they want to make fun of me, let's go ahead. And who says, yeah, and, and – you just set yourself right up on a tee. If we use a golf term now, is you know, there's a lot of news of golf recently, and uh, set yourself up on a tee and uh, to be made fun of. But which is yeah, why, which whack is, at me. <laughs> whether that be the live golfers or the PGA. Oh wait, it's all the same now. now apparently, so. Well, you know. Yeah, that's crazy. They're bitter rivals, and all of a sudden, oh like, yeah. It'd be like it'd be like let's say what let's the equivalent of uh, let's see what's what's bitter rivals uh, that would be coming together to. Well, like, let's try Arizona State and Arizona. Yeah, it'd be like those. Yeah, exactly. It'd be like those. Because I think Paul has got some red and blue that he wants to start wearing now. Because everything's cool. Yeah, yeah. It'd be like <laughs> it'd be like those schools saying, "Ah, oh, let's just merge into one big, uh, big school team kind of." One thing. big Arizona team, <laughs> and we can call it the State of the University of Arizona. How about that? Gets it all in there. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure Paul would love love to hear. All that, <laughs> anyway, I, I just had to get in there. I thought that was really really fun, and um, like I said, I'm looking forward to that. And I know this is uh, the American Collegiate Hockey Top Twenty podcast, but when when we have two teams in our coverage area that are playing for highest championships that they can win, and Dan Bilesman told me that um, it, what would he tell his team about this series that you, you know treasure it because it's it's an unbelievable achievement and if you can if you can win this thing and grab that calder cup um it, you're going to remember it for the rest of your lives and a lot like you know getting the stanley cup uh, a lot of these players will never get that opportunity but they do have it now in front of them the hershey bears and the Coachella valley firebirds so we'll see what happens as i uh spend a day at the rink i've never done that before <laughs> Yeah, yeah. How about you? <laughs> yeah, you've never you've never spent a day at the rink. Why do I find that hard to believe? <laughs> um, anyway, so yeah, no, that's that's the schedule. It's, yeah, it's it'd be interesting if you, if you were to ask some of these uh, these N these seasoned NHL players now and that are deep in playoff runs at the Stanley Cup level, and you ask them, uh, and and they were in Calder Cup playoff. Uh, runs themselves and i think some have have won if you were to ask them if they still remember that experience and and treasure that i'm sure i'm sure they would answer uh similar to the effect that they would they would they they still remember those those uh, calder cup days of and especially for those that have won one i'm sure they could still recall that and and have fond memories of that all right one final thing for me i gotta throw this out there again it's not american collegiate hawk hockey top 20 related but Rocco Grimaldi, one of the smallest guys to play in the NHL and the AHL, uh, was the leading scorer in the World Championship. So shout out to Rocco. Man, oh, man, just keep bringing it, my dude. Uh, get yourself an NHL spot again. If you're, if you're a team that needs a power play specialist, there is nobody, nobody on the market better than that man. And he's still a young man compared to me. So just wanted to shout out to Rocco. All right, Stephen, take well, it that, away. That's a, that's a high bar there. <laughs> <laughs> being younger than you. <laughs> uh, yeah, stop it. Stop it. <laughs> or low bar, one way or the other. Low bar meaning it doesn't take much to be younger than you, or high bar meaning you're high. Yeah, yeah, most yeah. Most people, people can't get under the bar I set. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me let me show you one note that is uh, ACHA related, and, and this is significant because we've, we've talked about this program before, and we've had guys representing this program before, but it was announced on uh, May 31st that the uh, – Park University Gilbert uh, has been accepted into the league at the uh, starting with the 2023-2024 season. Uh, Park Gilbert Director of Athletic Jeff, Jeff Forey, who we had on the show uh, a, a year or so ago, uh, maybe longer than I don't know how long it's been now. Uh, yeah, so it says uh, we are excited to officially be members of the ACHA, said Bucks head coach uh, 
Jeff Zimmel. Recruiting has been going well, and this is another feather in our caps in the process of building a quality program. Uh, so they're still at hard recruiting trail, hoping to build a uh, the roster for the inaugural season, which we'll have uh, in September. And they're going to have probably a squad of 20 to 25 players, um, and they're going to play their home games at the Mesa Community Ice Center in uh, in Mesa, Arizona. And players that are interested in the program can reach out to Coach Zimmel at 763-489-8980. And I believe there will be a Division II team to begin with. So uh, congrats to them, and uh, welcome to the ACHA Fold. Well done. Take it away, my friend. I got work to do. <laughs> Quote-unquote work. <laughs> From the Summer Skate Studios, this is the American Collegiate Hockey Top 20 podcast presented by IcetimeHockeyWest.com. Liberty University, bring your faith in your game to the premier ACHA M1 program on the East Coast. See us at liberty.edu. Behind the Mask and BehindTheMask.com with three Valley locations and across the country at BehindTheMask.com. We keep you supplied with all of the gear you need all season long. University of Central Oklahoma, first class experience on and off the ice. For more information, go to uco.edu or ucohockey.com. Jesse Ray's Barbecue, lunch, catering, dining in or out, or just getting our award-winning barbecue sauce. We're at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard in Las Vegas or 308 North Boulder Highway in Henderson. UNLV Hockey, follow the Skate and Rebels Championship Quest. For schedule and ticket information, go to rebelhockey.com. Topgolf, reserve a bay or a meeting room for your next corporate outing at topgolf.com. Adrian College, championship hockey culture and a nationally rated small private school education at adrianbulldogs.com. Caesars Entertainment Resorts and Casinos. With Caesars Rewards, members can enjoy rates as low as $10 a room. University of Arizona Hockey. Visit ArizonaWildcatHockey.org and become part of one of the West's most historic hockey programs, which is not merging with ASU anytime soon, just to be clear on that. Summer Skates. Order your custom koozies or shower shoes at SummerSkates.com and show your game in style. San Diego State Hockey. Sun, sand, and hockey, as well as a top-flight education at SDSU edu or nsdsuhockey.com jets pizza go to jetspizza.com to find one of our over 400 locations in 20 states nationwide oklahoma university hockey the action you crave only faster at ouhockey.net the american collegiate hockey top 20 podcast is a part of the ice time hockey west.com network and is live every week on the podbean app available for your favorite podcast platform ithsw podcast all one word again search ithsw podcasts all one word subscribe rate and review any of our podcasts to help others find the show very well done my friend and if you are a uh, acha team or a non-varsity team and you want to become part of uh, our partnership we've got a great offer going right now so just reach out to me you can reach ithswscott at gmail.com or you can go to ithwco at gmail.com and we'll take care of you i will be checking in with people to see if they want to become part of this great podcast steven thanks so much for your time today um get prepared tomorrow we have another big day because this podcast it's the pro hockey west report and then it's uh, two games and then it's an instagram live so this will be so, a busy day and then it, i'll be i'll be watching very uh, intently of course on the stanley cup final game for for two reasons one obviously got to be take notes and report on it afterwards we talk about it that's the important thing but i also have to know am i booking a flight to south florida on friday, friday? <laughs> oh boy you're just poking that you're poking the panther now because so uh, we'll see what happens <laughs> it's, it's it's kind of it's kind of it's kind of a double-edged sword. it's like part of me d doesn't want that to happen because i i wanted to come back <laughs> for game five so that way they're vegas fans but then part of me is like well if they go 3-0 then they might then they might finish it off. Then I'm, I've got to get to South Florida. So I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a, uh, so a double-edged sword, my friend. Double-edged sword. It's going to be it's gonna be fun either way. It's, yeah, 2-0 in the Stanley Cup final. Golden Knights going to Florida now. We'll see how that happens. And, of course, you get ready for the Calder Cup final finals, which is uh, – which. by the way, we, we want to – one note, I know we got to go. But it's Stanley Cup – I always, always think this is interesting. It's Stanley Cup final with no S. And right. And Calder Cup finals with an S. Yeah, go figure. <laughs>
<laughs> They're just testing all of us media NBA guys. NBA finals, you know, in the NBA. <laughs> the NBA finals. So uh, I, I know. That, just get it right. That's all gonna, we ask. Just, just get, get it right. Just, just get it right, people. <laughs> we get it right here because we're serious. We're serious people here, journalists and reporters and broadcasters who are always right on everything we say. <laughs> yeah, and absolutely. If you look at my face and hair right now, you'd be going like, yeah, he's totally serious. All right, we'll say goodnight with little Roger Klein, the Peacemakers, De Niro, and a big thank you to Michael Revere, the head coach from the University of Central Oklahoma, for joining us today. Good night, everybody. Of, it's more of good afternoon. Good day, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Good night.